Hi, it's Craig Wilson here, your host for the Making the Media podcast. It's great to have you with us. Attracting audience and driving advertising revenue is the universal challenge facing news broadcasters globally as viewership on traditional television comes under pressure from the explosion of other platforms. How do news stations adapt their approach to find a new audience and what does it take to tailor content for viewers who may be watching on a phone or online, if at all? For this, we asked Philip Bromwell, digital native content editor at RTE in Ireland, and Matt Goldberg, NBC Universal Vice President of Content Strategy for NBC-owned TV stations, for their views. Matt's team last year launched a new channel, NBCLX, and I asked him about how they developed the concept for the station and the way they were going to deliver the news to grab those elusive eyeballs. In a lot of the focus group research we did, um, when we asked people why they don't watch local news or any news program, um, the really the explanation was it's too formulaic. And I think if anybody who's never worked in television news, if you ask them to take a blank piece of paper and write down what a newscast looks like, they're going to put a rundown together that is almost as good as the producer. Um, they know that, oh, you lead usually with some top story, um, you, you're using verbiage and language that's a little too teasy. Um, you've got you know, three stories of commercial break, you come back, you got two stories of commercial break, you've got sports and weather in the same spot every time. And, um, and it, none of it really starts with the story. It all is, okay, it's the five o'clock news, what's happening today and how does it fit in that show? Um, and that's really what we tried to sort of change. And, and I think part of the reason that audiences don't want the formula anymore is because they're not all just sitting down at five o'clock to watch news anymore. They're watching news when they want to on demand. They're watching news on their phones. They're watching news on their, their pads. Um, on desktop and um, they're watching news on social media. And that is really what is driving, I think, the whole concept of um, kind of developing a story, you know, based on what the story needs, but then in the presentation, how you make that story look different to be uh, optimized for the platform it's playing in. Um, you know, we, we, we have a big focus right now on social media, particularly with Instagram. And, you know, Instagram is a vertical experience. Um, sure, if you go to Instagram TV, you can turn the phone and watch it uh, horizontally. But um, so, you know, when we try to, when we take a story, we, we will create um, a different component of it that is a way to tell it on Instagram um, with, you know, a, a call to action to potentially drive you to our, our website, to YouTube, to watch the, 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 the deeper, more cinematic looking version of it. Um, and, and I think it's the same thing for TV. So, you know, I think a lot of what is happening is, um, I think early on we saw news outlets sort of say, take the product and just put it everywhere. And it's a terrible experience. Um, but I think what is happening now is, is creating different versions. Um, and then on top of that, um, being comfortable and saying, you know what, this doesn't work on Twitter because, well, you can't really tell this in 140 characters. <laughs> Um, and, and then kind of being platform cognizant of what you need to do. What does that also mean then about the kind of analytics you can then gain about the different audiences you have on those different platforms? Because I guess something that works well as say a one minute package on traditional broadcast might be something you want to do in 25 seconds with some graphics for another yeah. platform. 
Yeah, you know that's the beauty of 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 digital media is the the the, the data that you can get is so phenomenal, and you can get down to uh, when it was started, how long somebody lasted with it, uh, when they 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 left it, um, did they engage with it, did they ask a question, did they uh, did they complete it? What's the completion rate? Um, and it allows you to kind of start to see patterns on things that work and don't work. Um, you know, and, and, you know, YouTube in particular is, is I mean, the, the dashboard behind that is, is phenomenal. Um, so those are all things I think that over time uh, can help drive, you know, platform specific decision-making. Um, and, and I use YouTube as an example you know, when we publish our, our mini docs, so to speak, uh, we don't put everything on YouTube. We try to put the stuff on YouTube that we think will work specific for that platform. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, because, because we are a new brand, we also are trying to create brand awareness. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to play to the, the audience strengths on each of those platforms. Is that also something that you see can influence the editorial decision-making process? Because I think one of the things in, in traditional broadcasters, you put the show out, you get the ratings, but you don't really know what, why the ratings necessarily were higher or lower on, on a particular day. Whereas with these kind of analytics, it, 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 to an extent, I, I guess it's like a virtuous circle where you can put the story out, see how it performed, and then say, okay, actually, we can target more of this type of story to actually drive more audience to, to this kind of platform. Absolutely. And, and we do that uh, quite regularly. And, and you know, in, in throughout um, covering uh, coronavirus, we had um, we, we did a story about um, the, the first round of stimulus checks that were being sent out in the U.S. And um, and the story just it popped like we had never seen. I think we you know last check it had uh, well into the millions of views. Um, so when you see that kind of activity and we saw specifically the questions and engagement, we realized that the audience had a lot of uh, need to understand that topic more. So then we had editorially sat and said, well, what more could we do to get lightning to strike twice? So we commissioned more stories along that kind of topic line that fit some of the areas we were missing. And as um, more programs came out, like the Paycheck Protection Program and other things in the U.S., uh, we continued to to do that, and 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 that kind of decision making helped drive higher traffic than if we just you know sort of did the one story and moved on approach. NBC LX is a new station, of course, but what about RTE, Ireland's public service broadcaster? Let's hear now from Philip Bromwell, the station's digital native content editor, who has a similar view about using analytics. I have to say one of the, the great things about all those platforms is that it, the, the audience, since I know you can, <laughs> you can, uh, you can question some of the, uh, uh, the, the strategies behind them or the, the, the philosophies behind them, but they are great for providing you with insights into your audience. Um, you know, it's really is amazing that, you know, if I did a story on television, um, I can, I might see two or three people the next day who saw the story and they might say, oh yeah, Philip, that was great. You know, well done. Um, but then, you know, if we publish a story on Facebook or wherever, you can then start to see comments and you can see how it's, people are reacting to it. And as I said, in a, at a time when we're trying to understand 
the audience better. You know, what is happening on those social platforms, um, providing you kind of understand the bits that, uh, I suppose the echo chamber nature of them and, and perhaps some of the, the philosophies behind them, but they are great real life um, market research happening between before your eyes because you can really start to see which stories are resonating and how they're resonating and what people are saying about them and maybe if you drill further down into it what's the next stage of the story or maybe there's a, a another story to be done so it, it you know for us what we're doing with my team is that we use a couple of tools uh looking at sort of social media analytics and stuff we, we are we're using those tools to find other stories to find out what content works with the audience and we're sort of pivoting towards well you know if we can obviously you're always your first thing that you rely on is kind of your journalistic hunch this story is going to be good but if you can back it up with a bit of research a bit of data then it gives you perhaps that extra bit of confidence just to go and do the story. Taking that into consideration, does that mean a different approach is needed to the content that's being gathered and produced to focus more on the audience? Here's Philip again. I think many news organisations are guilty of, of, of thinking, well, um, we know what the audience wants. <laughs> um, whereas what we have tried to do is, is, is to... I suppose, use some tools to try and better understand what the audience actually wants. So by doing those stories which are off diary, um, we're not sort of in conflict with anyone else, but we're also delivering original stories which wouldn't have been gotten otherwise. Um, and then what we're doing is we're basically making them available to whoever wants them. So. We do stories for television, for radio, for online, for social media. And we try and optimize those stories for whatever, wherever they are going so that we give the audience the best experience of the story. So that means, obviously, it's very simple. If you're doing a TV story, you do the TV story. If you're doing the radio story, you do the radio story. But if you're doing a story for online or social media, you might have to think about, well, do we need to have subtitles? what aspect ratio are we putting it in? Because one thing we know from all the research um, that's out there is that increasingly the audience generally is accessing news first and foremost on mobile devices. What my team is about, it's a, like I said, it's about finding original stories and just getting them out there. And, um, and as I said, just making sure that wherever they're landing, they're landing in the, the right form so that the audience can appreciate them on their terms. You know, it's about delivering content wherever, whenever the audience wants it these days. And, and, and so that means a lot of the work we do is, is we could end up doing four or five different versions of the same story, which is a bit laborious. And maybe at the end of it, you've fallen a bit out of love with the story. But unfortunately, for, for, for news professionals. I think that's the reality of the industry today. The audience is really fragmented. It's not necessarily as loyal as it once was. And they certainly um, 
you know, we do it ourselves. We, we're all guilty of, we have such short attention spans that, you know, we'll easily move on from a story without giving it perhaps the attention it needs uh, or deserves. But that's just how we have evolved as humans. So we have to kind of appreciate that the audience has changed. We've got to realize that technology is changing all the time. And we've just got to try and, I, I suppose, get on board with that and realize that, that that's the challenge for us as, as news gatherers, as storytellers. And I guess as well as an organization like RTE, reach is what is so important. It is about reaching different parts of the audience. And the fact that you're able to do that and to tailor the delivery of content to different audiences is actually, I think, is a fundamental thing about, it's one of the big challenges I think traditional broadcast journalism has and will, will continue to face in the future. A few times a year, I will go into uh, college courses here or university courses here to do a guest lecture. And I, I did this. At the, I always start with a kind of an icebreak, icebreaker question, which is, and I did it in the, the first time I did it, I did it as a bit of market research. And now I do it just to confirm the market research. But I basically ask the students in the class who, let's face it, probably are late teens, early 20s at best. Um, and they'll all know that Philip Bromwell is coming to speak to them today. And Philip Bromwell works for RTE News. And yeah, you may have seen him on the news, on the 6-1 news. Um, you know, they know my background. I go in there and I say, okay, guys, you're all journalism students. Uh, you all want a career in the industry. Uh, how many of you watched the TV news last night? <laughs> And you're lucky if you get one or two hands going up. And then you say, well, how many of you listened to the uh, flagship RTE radio program this morning? And again, it's like <laughs> a desert of hands. And then obviously you say, well, how many of you read a newspaper? Well, nobody's read a newspaper now for several years. Um, so you then kind of drill down. So where are you getting your news? Um, what you find when you do that kind of conversation in a classroom, particular with, particularly with, with younger uh, people, is that, you know, they are not. It doesn't matter that you are the national broadcaster. It doesn't matter that you are the market leader. Um, if potentially a whole generation of people is growing up without having any relationship to you. Um, and yes, there may be a point where those people grow older and they gravitate back to, you know, the national broadcaster. Maybe that happens, but nobody knows that because we don't know what's coming down the tracks. We don't know how audience behavior is going to change again. So I think being able to provide it's very rare nowadays that there's a story that impacts everyone, that everybody sees. Um, what you have to do is provide a range of content and put it in a range of different places. And as I said, make sure it's optimized for wherever the audience is so that they get the best experience from it. And that's where you try to get that reach and you try to. Um, you know, make sure that you are reaching every part of the audience. I mean, that's one of the fundamental requirements of a, of a 
of a public service organization. You've got to be where the audience is. And like I said, RTE now has a, a very, um, uh, well, it's there in black and white to uh, deliver content wherever and whenever the audience wants it. So it's kind of accept accepting that uh, the model of delivering the news from a years gone by, which was the idea of here's the news at six o'clock in the evening, and now we're going to tell you everything that you need to know. You know, that, that doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> so we've got to, um, I suppose, provide a much more diverse range of content, uh, increasingly distributing it all over the place. And it's enormously challenging. And that challenge is universal. Let's get a final thought from Matt. Look, we always want to try to, to achieve stories that we can get the most bang for our buck out of and, and be on multiple platforms, uh, be, on, be on them all. Uh, but very early on in the discussion is, you know, usually our story ideas, particularly from our storytellers, start with a passion of their own that, that they see. I mean, we, we assign plenty of projects, but uh, it starts with sort of um, that, that inquisitive idea, that thought of trying to get to the why of something. And in our, um, our, our, our kickoff to how that story should be approached, we'll have discussions literally before a frame of video is shot uh, of, okay, how are we going to uh, tell this story on television? How are we gonna tell this story on Facebook? How would we go about telling this story on Twitter and Instagram? And what, what do we do different on YouTube? Um, so those are all a part of it because I, as you're gathering a story, um, whether you're doing it on your laptop at home or you're out in the field, you know, knowing that you have an objective of how you're going to produce something for a vertical video, you may make that decision. Okay, I interviewed this person, but now I'm going to shoot some stuff vertically um, so that I have it. Or I might use, um, you know, um, uh, my cinematic camera, but shoot it in a way so that that I can take the the two by three image and the sixteen by nine image at, at the same end. So I, I, you know, I think all of that definitely uh, becomes a part of the formula of, of 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 when you go out to produce. All in all, it's definitely a challenging landscape for news broadcasters to address. Thanks to Matt and Philip for joining us this week, and if you haven't already heard them, you can listen to the previous episodes of the podcast where they joined us. Matt gave us his thoughts on how multi-platform delivery is changing how news is reported, while Philip went into the details of shooting and producing news on mobile devices. They are a couple of really great episodes with lots of good information. You can check out the episodes via your own podcast platform of choice, of course, or go to avid.com slash makingthemedia for all the other information. Now, you can also get links in the show notes for those episodes, along with some informative articles on tailoring news for digital outlets and also looking at how younger audiences are getting their news. Next time on the podcast, we delve into the world of artificial intelligence and look at what it can offer newsrooms as a tool both for news gathering and also for distribution. In this episode, I'm joined by Oxford University researcher Felix Simon. Let's hear a little preview. With a tool that you have not developed in-house, which comes from someone else, um, basically a black box, which you don't really understand um, how it's working, how, it, especially in the case of AI, how it's arriving at decisions um, it ultimately arrives at. 
well, this is sort of this this opaque thing which you don't really understand and which potentially has ethical problems baked in bias for instance is always a massive concern in ai and rightly so um, that there might be data violations security issues all these things um, what happens to say my own data is it safe um, will it be protected I think these, these are legitimate concerns news organizations have when they rely on proprietary products. And of course, that is also the case when it comes to, to AI tools. So of course, there's this, this business interest in it, if it exists, if it's already built, if it's for something I can, can use right away, great. But um, of course, they also have to think about the this other side of the metal. That is such an interesting topic to explore. Now, as always, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to get in touch with us either on social media. My username is at craigaw1969 or email us at the address makingthemedia at avid.com. And of course, please leave a review or share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. All that's left for me to do is thank you again for listening. Thanks to our producer, Rachel Haberman. I'm Craig Wilson. Join me next time for more Making the Media. Making the Media.